Hi guys. Um, so I would usually do a podcast with Chris and this is a little bit different. Um, I think I, well, I am doing this alone. It's less more of a podcast and more of like a story time. So, hmm, where do I start? I guess I should probably start with like why. I don't know why I started, thought about doing this, but I guess I kind of just don't have an outlet. You know, I usually play video games and do things, but I think I wanted to start having like a audio log of things about myself. I don't know if I'll actually post any of these things, but I think recording them will help me just get my emotions and things that I've been through out. Not necessarily because I care and anything that I say is not like to get revenge because I know myself, I've done things that are not the best that put me in the best light or that what people would deem great. I just kind of want to rehash or relive things throughout my life. So, um, I think it's normal. I think it's very common in America for people to grow up in the church. My parents were very good at making sure that we understood where their foundation and their faith was, but allowed us to go and partake in church activities and not church activities. So from a young age, for as long as I can remember, in the black community, in particular the African-American community, uh, the church is very intertwined into everything. So like throughout the week, Monday service, Wednesday service, and then sometimes it will be prayer night on Thursday. And then you would go to church on Sunday. That doesn't include choir rehearsal. That doesn't include like just other activities the church might randomly have going on, such as the pastor's anniversary or like other things that could be going on. And I guess what I kind of want to start at is just kind of like being young and being involved in a church. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that I identify as like, a gay man and my sexuality wasn't something that was like I guess I was aware of you know like I guess I always say I was like asexual from like a young age sex didn't cross my mind until like I got around high school and then the early 20s so my younger years my main focus was just like Christianity my belief like going to church, being in the choir, being a good Christian boy. And I remember my mom reading us scriptures and waking up to uh, her cooking breakfast in the morning and smelling like Pinesol and like breakfast being cooked because she would always clean and then cook or do them at the same time. Um, and for me, I guess I never felt like I was different around the younger years, all I knew was just going to church, praying, partaking in church activities, being a good Christian. Um, and I guess I didn't realize I was different until not just sexuality, but just like my thought process, right? Like I was always, like I was 
I consider myself a Christian. I read the Bible. You know, I, I partook in a lot of the church activities and I believe wholeheartedly, like wholeheartedly. I believed in my faith and I believed in Jesus Christ and God and the Christian faith. But growing up, I saw a lot of things in church that made me question those scenarios, right? Like, I get it. Man is not, like in the Bible, there's a particular scripture that says man will fail you every time, something along those lines. And I just remember seeing so many things going in church. For example, I remember my dad helping out several churches. It's kind of like what my mom and dad did. I always called them traveling ministers in my mind because we would always go to a church, a small church. And then my dad was like into the music. So he played the guitar and he would help out with the choir and my mom could sing. So she was also part of the choir, but she was also kind of like intertwined in other things that go went on in the church, such as like the first lady brigade. Like there was the first lady of the church and then there was like, the ladies that kind of followed her or kind of helped her out. And that's just to the gist of it, that's just kind of like my mom and dad, where we would go to a church that was small, we would help them out. And then once they got stable and big, then our entire family and my dad would go to a different church and then we would help that church out. And then when that church got big, I think my parents just really loved the atmosphere of a small church, right? Like the with most big, most big churches, the pastors get big headed. They lose, in my opinion, they lose the sight of what their job is. When I grew up, pastors worked full time jobs and still preached. So as the early 2000s started rolling around, things started changing and pastors was like, oh, I'm a full time pastor. The church is going to pay my bills. The church is going to, you know, pay me a monthly salary. They're going to buy me a new car. They're going to help build my house. Right. Like when I was younger, I wasn't I wasn't used to that. So experiencing those things in the church where like the dynamic and the shift became like, oh, no, the church take care of the pastor. Because the pastor was delivering God's word, it almost seemed backwards. Right. Like. Why is it the church's job to take care of the pastor? I get anniversary. I get like giving him a decent, like some type of money, but to the point where he doesn't even have to work a normal job. So then that kind of builds into the ego of the pastor. That builds into the ego of the type of branch and lifestyle that they live. Like, I just didn't agree with it. And as a child, I like as a young, from a child age to teenage years, I, we went to so many churches and there was only like one pastor that I remember that he did not get big headed and got engulfed into like that. What do I want mindset, that selfish mindset that I feel like a lot of pastors get into. And one thing, a few things happened in church. So for example, when I was starting to realize I was attracted to men or I had emotional attraction towards men. I remember praying and reading, talking to God, praying in the Bible. You know, I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my brothers and sisters. I didn't tell anybody about it. 
I just kept it bottled up. I needed to figure out who I was and I needed God to help me before I was willing to divulge that information to like family or church. And regardless of whether someone knew based on mannerisms, none of that mattered because to me, whether I was acting feminine or the way my voice sounded, none of that equated to gay because I was raised in a small town. Being gay was not something that was like spoken about, right? It was like there was that there was that one gay person, but like no one in my town, I can say, was educated enough on the LGBT community to be able to speak on those things or be able to even know what a gay person was. All they kept saying was such and such and so he's gay or he's like such and such. I didn't understand it. I didn't get the judgingness of the church at all. And when I was coming to terms or I started realizing I was attracted to men or boys because I was young at the time. I remember going to a pastor that of a church that we went to. And I was like, and mind you, as a young person and realizing these things and these emotions going on in me or my attraction towards men and being taught that it was wrong growing up, there was this internal struggle that I had to deal with. And when I felt like I wasn't getting help from God when I was praying, my next best thing that I had to do was go to the pastor, go to the church and say, hey, I need help. But I didn't talk to the church or any other body in church. I just talked to the pastor. So I went to the pastor and I said, hey, I've been having these feelings and these emotions. Like genuinely, I wanted help. And I felt like maybe it was a demon. So I needed to be delivered from it. And I talked to this pastor for what felt like months. It might have just been weeks. But we would sit down in his little pastoral study and I would tell him. And then he would tell me things like, Whenever you feel these feelings or you have these thoughts, you know, pray, you know, I want you to fast. You know, we went through all of the things that he deemed necessary to help with this spirit or this problem. So I was fasting. I was praying. You know, I got to a point where like every time I had an arousal moment where I would pinch myself or I would try to control it and it wasn't helping like I wasn't getting delivered or better. And I guilt tripped myself to thinking this, I'm not getting better because I don't want to get better. Something in me wants to be like this. And I just kept telling myself, pray, 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 read, read, read. And I remember crying in my teenage years. Like, I don't want this. I, this is not fair. Like I was perfectly fine up until this point. Like, what did I do that allowed this spirit to take over my body right because that's what you say it's a spirit right it, you're it's a spirit that jumped in your body based on a past experience or something that might have happened but I couldn't recall anything that would have put me in that place um and long story short and of this story anyway I just remember one day I was in church and I had been talking to the pastor for a few weeks now and confiding in him and him suggesting things. And he called me to the front of the church. Right. And I had no idea. I thought he was just going to pray for me like he normally would. And he stood me in front of the church. Right. And mind you, it was a small town. Everybody in this church, my entire, all my brothers and sisters, my mom and dad, my aunts and uncles, my closest friend, my best friend at the time. 
He was straight, of course, and he was there. And I just remember him starting to like testify and say things like, this person has been dealing with homosexual thoughts and is a homosexual. And I was speechless, right? Like I had confided, I had talked to God, I've seeked it out myself. I thought I took the right steps in it and I went to the pastor and I talked to him and I presented him with this problem that I was having and he wanted me to keep coming back and confide and give him information. I'm thinking he's taking this information. He's praying for me. He's keeping it to himself. This is not something that I have not acted on it, right? Like I had not slept with a man. I had not had a relationship with a man. So at this point, it was just thoughts. So when he called me to the church, front of the church, and he said those things, I just remember feeling like I wanted to die. Like in that moment, like as a teenager, you're holding this secret. Like even if people had ideas and thoughts, I had not done anything to like solidify with an action, if you want to say. So I hadn't even like masturbated to the thought of anything. And I just remember what probably was just a minute or two felt like an eternity. I just remember... Him telling that, saying that, and then saying, we're going to deliver him today. And it was so slow. It was so painful. And it was so detrimental that I always told myself at that moment, whatever version of who I was existed, died. Like, whatever version of Sherman that existed up until that point, that happy-go-lucky boy, that boy who believed in the church and believed in following what was right, that moment shattered whatever existence of whoever I was. Because I remember him putting his hand on me, praying for me, and then like forcefully pushing me back, right? Because like, I know you see those videos where you assume like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. No, I was too shocked and too confused about what was going on for me to believe there was even the Holy Spirit present in that moment. And I was angry, like I was wasn't visibly angry. I just remember him pushing me pushing me back. I fell to the floor and I was in tears. And I was not crying because of deliverance. I was not crying because of like I felt like this was the moment that God was going to deliver me. I was crying because I was upset. I had been betrayed. I had been I mean, it was my choice to go talk to him, but I thought I was doing the right thing. And when he did that, like I just remember wanting to die in that moment over and over again. But like I said, it felt like an eternity. So I had to still pick myself up. Not only do I feel betrayed, not only am I heartbroken, not only am I pissed off because I trusted someone, but I'm also confused. But I also have to pick myself up, wipe my tears up and then go sit back down knowing that Everybody in the congregation had just heard it. And we all know how the church work, or I at least know how the church church works in the black community. One, they don't really talk about the gay people or the LGBTQ community, especially back then in the early 90s, early 2000s. But not only that, but they also, like, things would happen and it was like, don't talk about it. So I couldn't talk to my mom and dad about it. What ended up... Being the blessing was the fact that no one wanted to talk about it, right? 
Like no one wanted to sit down and say, how do you feel? Do you feel delivered? Are you gay? It outed me when I necessarily didn't even know what I was or what was happening. And even if I wanted to try to combat it and and like fight off what some might believe is a spirit or a demon or even just a life choice. I didn't even get that chance to because while I was in the process of trying to figure out myself and figure out how I was going to handle these feelings and emotions and confide it in someone, that person took everything that I gave them and they just threw it out into the world. And it was just like, bam, here, this is what you need to know about this person. Now, whether people do believe whether I was delivered or not, it didn't change the fact that that information was out there. People had different views. I went into like a very sheltered moment in my life when that happened. I kind of receded into myself and I didn't talk. I wasn't outgoing as I probably should have been. Like my family still treated me the same. Luckily, like my brothers and sisters never treated me any differently. And my mom and dad didn't treat me any differently. But that moment, among other moments within the black community, made me, or church, just made me realize that like, I didn't want to be a part of the church, right? Like the church is corrupt on so many levels and the corruption always seems from my perspective to start from the pastor. Once the church gets big, once the pastor gets a little bit of money in his pocket, gets a little bit of filling his oats and feeling like he is some guy that's next to God and deliver God's messages. And then the thing about it is the congregation fuels this mentality. They fuel this like ego that these pastors build. And I'm not saying that because I want to make one thing clear. The pastor that outed me in front of my entire family and cousins and stuff like I held no ill at the beginning. Of course, I was upset with him. But as I began to get older and learn more about myself and the church in general, I learned that he thought he was doing what was right. It wasn't. It was actually detrimental. But at the same time, it helped me become who I am today. So I technically would not change how it happened because I don't think I would be the same person. I felt like I had to be broken. So whether you believe in God or not, or an entity, I wish it wouldn't have happened, but I'm pretty sure I would have not been the same person I am today if I if that had not happened, right? Because people are going to say, well, that pushed you away from the church. And it did push me away from the church. It pushed me away from the human aspect, right, of Christianity, not the Bible. That also led me in the direction of reading the Hebrew version of the Bible, not the translated version, the King James version, the version that the British took, rewrote, and enforced amongst the world, and is now becoming the most read version of the Bible today because there are things that were translated or mistranslated to promote or push an agenda by said people. So it's just weird to me that like that happened to me being outed, but it was like this doorway that allowed me to be like, you know what? I cannot blindly follow anything or any person without proof or without trusting my own intuition. And that pushed me in a direction in my life where I was just like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. If I want to know something, I'm going to research it. 
And if there are things that can't be explained, fine. I'll leave that up to the universe or whatever deity exists or Jesus or God. But like I can only control myself. And I'm going to be an actively good person. And I haven't been back to a church since I've become an adult. Like I've tried. Oh, that's not true. I did go to a church a few months ago because I was interested in like, okay, let me try going to this church. Um, And it was nice. It was a nice church. They were LGBT friendly. But like. What happened to me was. For some people, it might look bad, but it felt like me now looking back on it felt like it was something that needed to happen. I needed to separate myself from the church because while being around like minded people, which is what the church is, is ideally the structure of the church is you're around like minded people that believe in the same thing. You can bounce ideas and you can bounce like conversations about the Bible and grow stronger and have communion with these people. But at the same time, it is also like a cult mentality from my perspective, because I've been in the belly of the beast, if you want to call it that, which is the church. I've experienced how judgmental they can be. I can experience how they pick and choose what scriptures from the Bible that they want to follow just to justify their own agenda, or they do things just to justify their excuse for doing what they do. I'll even say this right now. I remember when I was younger, a pastor at a church that I went to got someone pregnant that was not his wife, right? That person that person went on to have his kids. That pastor, the church shunned her, but the pastor stayed in power. He stayed where he was. There was no, I don't know, maybe him and his wife settled things amongst themselves, which is here nor there. That's their decision. But like, they continue, the church continued to support him and do all of these things. And I'm just kind of like, do they assume that God is going to punish him for that? You know, like, I don't know. It's a weird scenario. I can only speak from my experience. And this is was just me trying to talk about my experience with the church. And I don't I do consider myself a Christian on some level. There are some beliefs that are still strong in me. And I know based on my parents' existence that there are good Christian people out there who don't force their ideologies, who don't go out their way to like judge people or discriminate or be homophobic or be anything. Because if anything, my parents have embraced me. Like when I came out to my parents, I remember my mom being like, started quoting Bible scriptures. And I hung up on her because I called her and then she called me back and she was pretty much just being like, you know, we're going to talk about it. And And I remember talking to my dad and my dad was like, you know, we raised you based on how we were raised and based on what we believe. You know, it's your life. You make your own choices. You be who you want to be. And while my parents might not necessarily agree with who I date, marry, or be with, I know they look past that part and they look at, and I'm not saying look past it like it's okay and they can ignore it because they don't ignore it. They acknowledge when I'm dating someone. They acknowledge that person. They speak to them. They are, my dad will joke with anyone. And my mom will 
be there for anyone. And I just wish more Christians were like my parents because my parents can only, to me, they're the perfect version of like what I believe Jesus was trying to push. And that is just love, unconditional love. And you let God and Jesus be the judge in the afterlife. Your job is not to spread words to put people down, to make people's lives harder because you don't have the same beliefs as them. And it's just sad that I felt like I had to feel like I lost everything at a young age and completely cut myself off and reboot my entire existence from the moment that I was kind of outed in front of a church to the moment that I was that I was a different person. Like, it took a lot. It was probably the hardest time of my life because while my family didn't alienate myself, you got to realize something. When you're outed or someone says something about you, the first thing you, or the first thing I wanted to do was retreat into myself. Suicide crossed my mind. I thought about it. And I wasn't afraid of going to hell. That wasn't why I didn't do it. I think it was because I was like, I'm not going to go this route. I'm not going to think about killing myself because people might not like who I am or people might think there's something wrong with me. Like I had dealt with that most of my my life through school. So like I'm not going to let anyone determine where I go and who I become from here. So to that pastor that did that, I want to thank you. Because what you did might have broke the version of me that existed up until that point. But the 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 teenager that was destroyed in that moment allowed me to become something way more stronger than I thought I could ever be. And I just want to thank you for that. Like, I don't ever want you to feel like what you did wasn't necessarily detrimental. I do know that that pastor came back to my mom late years later. I don't know if it was a month or years later and said, do you think I did the right thing? And my mom said, I don't know. I can't remember what she said. She told him, but I remember sitting in the car. My mom told me that. And I told her, I said, he didn't do the right thing. He should have not said anything. It wasn't his place. And if he sat on that pulpit and he thought God spoke to him and said, this is the moment this person got delivered. I don't know. Maybe it was his subconscious telling him that, oh, it's my time. I can make I can. I've talked to him enough. I've done enough. Now let me call him to the front and we'll get rid of it. I'm going to put my hands on him. And you didn't. You didn't deliver me from anything. You didn't because there was nothing wrong with me. But I want to thank you for doing what you did because it made me exactly who I needed to be today, to be strong, to deal with people, learning to guard myself, learning to watch out for people, learning to realize that if I can be hurt by people who claim to follow the God Almighty, righteous, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, 
the people that raised me and brainwashed me, not my parents, I'm talking about the church. It helped me on so many levels to be a stronger person. And I want to thank you for that. And you might not ever hear this. You might not even like hear this at all, period. But thank you.